All right, Hebrews. Hebrews is such an awesome book. We're just gonna we're gonna go into chapter two and just highly encourage you guys that 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 you you dive into Hebrews and and look into this. And Hebrews was written, I believe, I don't know, but I believe it's Paul while he's in Rome writing to the Hebrews in Jerusalem. Don't know that. It's just a just a hunch and, and something I like to, to feel. The, the, Hebrews, the, the Hebrews in this time are different than the Judaizers. The Judaizers will say, okay, you get saved, you come to Christ, and you have to do this. You need to get circumcised. You, you just do. You know? or, or, you know, you can't have bacon, you know, or ham sandwich. You know, you, 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 there are still dietary laws. There's still uh, physical laws that, that you have to do um, alongside Christ. No, 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 no. These Jews want to, or considering, or, or at least pondering the thought of leaving Christ altogether and going back into the Jewish faith. Now, for us, we have the temptation of going back into works. And that's basically what the Jewish faith is, is, is works. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. Just like every other system of belief that exists. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. Christianity is the only system of belief that we receive a reward based on somebody else's effort. know this guy, he, 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 he would speak with so many different world belief systems because of his job. And he dealt with Hindus and Baha'is and, 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 and Brahmins and, and Jews and atheists. And the common denominator is that every system of belief is based on, or every uh, set aside Christianity is based on an individual's effort to satisfy a God. Whether it's Hinduism has 300 million different types of gods, or, or, or whether it's Islam, monotheistic, who's to satisfy one deity and the do's and don'ts. But Christianity, or in the New Testament, the way, is that we receive based on Jesus' efforts on our behalf. It's the only system of belief that exists. And, and, and the writer of Hebrews is writing to the Jewish people, showing how Christ is so much better than, so much better than anything else you can put alongside him. Uh, the angels in chapter 1, Moses in chapter 3, and it continues on even to Joshua. How Jesus is so much better. And fulfills the law. He, he fulfills the law. And like a marriage. That Old Testament law. That first covenant was based on man's faithfulness to God. You do this, I do this. 
But the new covenant is based on God's faithfulness to us. He who started a good work is faithful and just to complete it. So, so, so Jesus, who is God, had to die to finish or to nullify the Old Testament and his blood spilt for the New Testament and at that very time, at that very same time, make a new covenant. Because the old covenant, one of the, what's called testator, is died, just like a marriage. Married, death, till you part. Man couldn't fulfill his end, so God had to die in order to reinstate a new testament. God being Jesus. And he does that at the same time to nullify the old and bring in the new. And as we read in Luke 22, he says the new Testament, this is my, my blood is the new Testament. And so, and so it's just a beautiful picture. Let's, let's get into this chapter two. Okay. Therefore we ought to give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard least at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. Okay. We're going to leave off there. Let's go back to verse 1. Therefore, therefore, meaning since we had the things that we discussed in chapter 1 previously, okay, so with all these things in consideration, therefore, we ought to give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, at least at any time we should let them slip. That heard, that earnest heed, heard, that earnest heed is a nautical term. It's, it's, it's when the, the, the navigator is, is, is paying so close attention to his maps and their location that they don't veer off course. And that's what that, and should let them slip, is actually saying. So we stay on course and, and be careful and, and watch how we walk through this world, the things that we do, the things that we watch, the things that we hear, that we allow into this temple that the Lord has built without human hands. This is the temple of God, which the Holy Ghost dwells into. So we should take heed, lest we deviate. From the, from the course, from, from the route that we are going. And the route that we're heading towards is heaven. And just like a navigator who wants to go from Corpus Christi to, I don't know, Rotterdam. If he's off one degree, he will not make it. And we aim for heaven? Or we say that we aim for heaven? That, that's what we want. So take heed Take heed. 
For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. It's interesting, he calls it a reward. I'm reading from the, from the, from the King James. What's this word spoken by angels? That's referring to Deuteronomy 33. Now, it's interesting because in our Bible, it says, Deuteronomy 33, Deuteronomy 33. Got that song in my head. In Deuteronomy 33, it's referring to when, when, when it says here, and he said, in verse 2, the Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir unto them, and he shined forth from Mount Paran, and he came with ten thousands of saints from his right hand went fiery law for them. And, but in the Septuagint, it, it actually says angels. And so, and so the angels were the mediators between man and God in these days. And they were giving warnings and warnings. And they would work with man on behalf of God to fulfill even in, I mean, Mary, when Gabriel came down and gave her the word that she was going to bear a son, not knowing a man. Or Elizabeth, her cousin, and she was old. And she questioned him, and everything was fine. But when Zechariah, the husband, questioned him, he was struck dumb. See? And, and, and Gabriel even got a little, the way I read it, got a little hot under the collar. He says, I stand before the throne. I stand before God. Like, who are you to question me? That's, that's how I read it. Um, people with much gentler spirits would, would read it differently. But that's, that's, how I, that, that's how I received that. And they, he received a recompense as a reward. He was struck dumb for his, for his verbalization of disbelief. How's, how's this going to happen? I'm an old man. She's an old woman. How are we going to have a kid? Do you not know who I am? I stand before the throne of God. You will not speak until these things are fulfilled. Now, that was a nice thing. Um... That was, that was a nice reward that he received. How shan, how, verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord? So, as we read the word, and we are not to, and the people were, were, were chastised, by the, for, for, for disobeying angels. How much more us if we were to disobey the Lord by his word? How much more? Now, what disobedience are we talking about here? You know, don't jaywalk. No, 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 no. This is talking about unbelief. You know what? Did Jesus really die for me? 
Because when it all boils down to it, it doesn't matter what kind of life you live or the things you do. If you're not a believer, and we struggle as believers, but if a person doesn't believe, it's by willful disobedience. That's, that's just it. And really, nothing else really matters. When, when, when the metal meets the meat, that's what matters. Are you a believer? Are you standing on the belief of what Jesus did on our behalf? You know. Are we so interested in finding uh, fruits of the Spirit in somebody else that we neglect to look to see what kind of fruits we're putting out? And the fruit that the Lord speaks of, the fruit is for others to consume. You don't see an apple tree eating itself. You know, well, we don't see an orange tree plucking oranges off and consuming. It's for others around. It's, it's selfless. And I love that he tells us the fruit of patience. It's for when that person who is standing on your everlasting nerve and you be patient. Long-suffering is when that person who just, man, gets under your skin when he gets home from work. <laughs> you know? Long-suffering. You know? Long-suffering. Kindness. Kindness. When you have been pulled and spoken to all day at work, and then you come home and you have a slew of to-dos to do at home. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till bedtime. I got to do more. You know, it, it's, it's what fruit are you putting out? that your spouse may consume of, that your kids may bear witness of? Are we the same here at church as we are, as we are at home? You know. Um, these things are all to be taking place as a believer. As an unbeliever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Have a good life, have a bad life, you know. Hope you have a good life because... On this side of heaven, that's as good as it's going to get. It only gets worse from there, from, from here. As a believer, this is as bad as it's going to get. It only gets better. It only gets better. So we are not to neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord, which at first began, or the Lord speaks to us and reaches out to us and says, I have a better life for you. Here and the next one to come. And it was confirmed unto us, I'm still at the end of verse 3, and confirmed unto us by them that heard him. We, we heard Jesus say these things. I, I was there, I, I, he, I heard him say these things. And I believe Paul did hear him say those things. He was a contemporary of Jesus. 
And, and, and he heard these things. He didn't believe at the time. And of course, we don't know who the writer is. I believe it's Paul again. But Paul did hear Jesus. And, and the testimonies that people were talking about, the things that Jesus was saying. Verse 4, and God bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. I believe this kicked in the book of Acts. At the book of Acts. Uh, Peter, when asked by Jesus, who do you say that I am? You're the son of God. He says, he says I'll give you the keys to heaven. He was the first one to preach to the Jews at Pentecost. 3,000 get saved. He was the first to speak to Gentiles with Cornelius and his house. When he went, he was telling them about Jesus and talking. And then all of a sudden, everybody starts breaking out and speaking in tongues. And he saw them being baptized by the Holy Spirit. He has the keys that unlocked heaven to everybody. No, he's not the Pope. And everything I read, everything I read, he never left Jerusalem. I searched, and the things, the claims that he went to Rome were all from Catholic priests and saints and people that that are of that religious persuasion. But I couldn't find anything that Peter ever left Jerusalem. And it made sense to me because it was in Jerusalem that he denied the Lord. And it says in scripture that he was called to preach to the Jews and Paul was called to preach to the Gentiles. So he would stay in the very place that he denied the Lord, that he would live out his life for the Lord in the very place where he denied it. And so... And so that's, those, that, that's some of the findings that I have looked and found. And so Paul here, reaching out, verse 5. For unto the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come, wherefore we speak. For unto the angels has he not put. No, what he's saying here is that the angels were not put in charge of the world to come. Okay, So there were angels that were in charge of this world, the demons, right? You can have this world because it's going to go up in a great ball of fire. But in the world to come, it is we who are going to be put in charge of the world. We are going to be raised higher than angels, and we will judge the angels. We find that in 1 Corinthians 6, 3. You can just write that down. So what he's saying is that he's, he's still looking at the hierarchy of Jesus. Verse 6, but one in a certain place testified, saying, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man? that you should visit him. You have made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of thy hands. Thou put all things under subjection under his feet. For in that he had put in subjection under him, he left nothing 
that is put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Now this is interesting because this is Psalm 8. And you, you can look at this as a messianic psalm. Or you can just look at it as, as and you break it down. Like this is man. Because in Psalm 8 verse 3 it says, consider the heavens. Consider the heavens. Last night was a full moon. And it was neat just looking at that big boy out there. Just thinking, oh my goodness, God. You are so awesome. You put this ball out there. And it's perfectly placed. Perfectly placed. You know? So the tides are in their place. So the weather is in its place and everything is interacting and 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 in in sync with one another. The seasons and the Lord, how how you had just placed everything in this beautiful motion, interacting with each other, so we could live. And then it says, What is man that you are mindful of him? And it's referring to us. What, or the son of man, that you would visit him. Now, that can be taken, son of man, as in Jesus, would visit him, would visit us. It can be taken either way. Because if you look at it that way as well, like, what are we that you, God, would translate into the son of man or into humanity or become a member of mankind and, and, and live among us. But that's not what this text is saying. This text is saying, what is man that you would come down and visit him? The son of man. Um, what is man? Referring to mankind in general. The son of man is singular. That you visited him. You made him a little lower than the angels. Crowned him with glory and honor. And did set him over the works of thy hand. He did do that. He did set us over the works of his hands. I like food. You know. Lions like food too. But I've never seen a lion season a deer. Right? Stop and put a little Uncle Chris on it, and then, you know, and then chow down. Now, you know, you can grab a steak, throw it on the grill, and then eat it like that. And it's okay. But meat really doesn't have a flavor. You got to season it. And when you season that bad boy real nice, you enjoy it. And you sit there, and you eat one, and two... And then three, and then you regret it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's we enjoy, we're the only species that seasons our food. You know, when you see the apes go down, they pull a stick, and they grab, and they mess with the ants, and then they just lick it off. There's no seasoning that they put on. They're only looking for any turmeric or, you know, or, you know none of that. We season it. And we enjoy it. You walk outside, and, and I love the sunsets here. And you look at the sunset in different colors. And, and, and the great theologian, uh, Jonathan Castro, 
he, he's like, Dad, look. He says all the different colors. They offset each other. They differentiate purposely from each other for us to enjoy. And God does that, that we may enjoy his handiwork, that we, may, we can enjoy what we see. He could have made us all gray, make everything just gray. You know, we see black and white or just in the gray and shades of gray. But he gives us the ability to distinguish and appreciate. We're the only ones that appreciate, right? You never see a giraffe just going, oh, what a sunset. You know, what a beautiful lion checking me out. <laughs> you know, none of that. And um, man, it, it, he, he gives us this world to enjoy, but not to love. We are not to love this world, meaning to be enamored with, to seek after, to be our goal, our purpose. To, to gather, to gather in a barn and say, oh, I'm going to make a bigger barn and then I'm going to fill it and I'm going to rest. Jesus says, oh, what a fool. For he does not know that tonight I will require his soul. No. We are to enjoy it. We are to be stewards of it. But we are not to love it. Is we don't find our purpose in it. Our purpose is in Christ. Because it's in Christ that gives us purpose to glorify him. It's Christ that gives us meaning to live for him. We find our identity in him. And therefore, because we are men, we can be a man of God and be that strength to have that faith when, every, when everything else is going haywire, like, no, God said that he will take care of me. Seek not. What are you going to wear? What are you going to eat? Where are you going to live? These things the Gentiles seek after. The Gentiles, the unbelievers, these are the things that they seek after. But you seek after the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We're to walk by faith because the word says the just shall live by faith. If we're able to do it on our own account, what faith is that? Faith is when it's hard and you know what the word says and you say, you know what? I'm going to be at rest because God says he's got it. He's the good shepherd. He's the good, good father. And I'm going to live that way. I'm going to live in faith. Because it is by faith that pleases God. Not pulling up your own bootstraps and hitting the road. No, you need to realize we have no bootstraps. We have no boots. You know, we're not the captains of our own ship. We have no ship. We have no captain's hat. We are sinners saved by grace. And he puts us in charge of his creation. And then we find in verse 8, you put all things in subjection under his feet, meaning man, 
For in that he put, I'm in, I'm in verse 8. For in that he put all in subjection under him and left nothing that is put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Now we realize through Jesus that all things were not put under us. What things would that be? Life. Eternal life. That was not put under us. Because before Christ, we were sinners at enmity with God. See? And we didn't have control. We were in bondage, which he's going to talk about in a little bit. We're, we're, we're in bondage. We are subject to the wrath of God. And we are children of wrath. And then it makes a distinguish here, verse 9. But we see Jesus. But, forget everything else before. That's what, that's what it but means. But everything else, and you ladies who went to the conference down there, but God, is like, oh yeah, I'm having a hard time, but God, this is like, but forget everything else. Now, you're not in subjection, but now we see Jesus, verse 9, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. His blood is so valuable that he was able to taste death for every man that ever existed. And it's referring to mankind. Get all cupcake-ish. Oh, women too. No, no, no. It's referring to mankind. Everybody who's a human. That he should taste death, making him a little lower than the angels. Verse 10, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. And it became him for whom are all things. For whom do all things exist for? That's what it's saying. Because of him does all meaning is answered. For all purpose is answered. Everything revolves around him. For whom are all things and by whom are all things. By him everything was made. And nothing was made that was not with him or from him. In bringing many sons unto glory... Now, don't get all weirded out on this next one. To make the captain of, of their salvation perfect through suffering. Okay. So, for it became him, Jesus, Christ, Messiah, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, bringing many sons unto glory. And ladies, you, you're a son too. This is, this is referring to ranking. This is referring to inheritance. Okay? Just like all men, we're a bride of Christ. If I can be a bride, ladies, you can be a son. Okay? 
to make 